Good morning, everybody, again. This is my favorite time of year to preach. It is, because we, in January, go back to the basics, the first four chapters of our Science of Mind textbook. Now, I should have brought a copy, but our Science of Mind textbook's about that thick. And so we're covering the first four chapters, which are the foundation of everything that we teach and everything that we're about and how the universe really functions in the process. And so as we begin this uh, process of looking, the very opening chapter, our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, began to study all the different world religions, and he was a great synthesizer. So what he was able to do was synthesize together all the different sort of concepts of God and into this wonderful sort of package that is very understandable. So he was very concerned um, that people, when you mentioned the word God, it was a loaded pistol. And it is. It's a loaded pistol for lots of people, depending on what tradition you come from. And God has been abused more than anything else on the planet. We use God to kill people. We use God to cheer our teams. We use God to do all kinds of things. We blame God when things don't go well. Uh, we think, what kind of a creator is that in self? So this morning, our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, called God the thing itself. Say that with me. Yeah, and he didn't want any attachment to masculinity or femininity, making God this super male dominant figure or making God a super controlling feminine. He didn't want any of those sorts of things. Yeah, we're all equal. Yeah, so we think God is controlling male and we think God is a controlling female. And so he called it the thing itself because he wanted us to get out of our head this human concept that we begin to attach to God. Yet we continue to do it. We continue to do all kinds of images of what God is and isn't. So some of us think God looks like this, this angry figure that threw people out of the Garden of Eden. And from there, he's been throwing us out ever since. And some would even lead to believe, and some of the major world religions even teach that God will damn its own creation that it will send its creation to hell, which nothing could be further from the truth. Why would you damn your own creation? Why would you destroy that which you have created? Just if you use your logical head, you will realize none of that makes any sense. This damning God who's out to get you every time you turn around. And some of us think it's something up there that's in this mystical thing and that Jesus is a part of that and that we have to go through Jesus and we have to go through all these different channels in order to reach this divine thing that is unreachable. All of us have been told these kind of concepts growing up. And so oftentimes people who walk through our doors come in with loaded pistols. And so this is the opportunity for us to become good theologians, to use our head to begin to think about what the real concept of God is and how that really works. I love this one. It says, uh, um, yes, you went to the afterlife. Yes, you were a believer. Yes, but you skipped the part about not being a jerk about it. And um, oftentimes I see, you know, the, the whole concept of are you being saved? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked that question. And when I was in seminary, we had a class ring that had a little fish on it. So if you see little fishes everywhere, um, oftentimes that's a sign of Christianity. And the, the reason um, the fish was ever started is called ictus, by the way. It's a Greek sort of concept. But the, the fishermen used to put fishes over the doorways to let other people know that they were Christians. So now we just use bumpers instead. 
But some, so I had a little, I remember I had a, a ring on, it had a fish on it when I was in Catholic seminary. And, uh, and one of the women said, when were you born again? And I said, my mother said it was pretty painful the first time. I can't imagine crawling back up there and doing it again. You know, the whole concept that somehow what we are is not enough, that we have to beg, steal, borrow. We have to declare all of our sins before Jesus Christ, get slapped in the head, get swarmed with the Holy Spirit, and finally we're holy for five minutes. It's crazy when you think about it. Absolutely crazy in our concepts of what God is. Some people think that God manipulates and controls everything. And so I hear things like this, well, it must be God's will. And I think to myself, well, you know, we're the ones that start the wars. It's not God up there pulling some sort of thing. It's our behavior patterns that's having a cause and effect to every single thing in the world. And so everything you and I do has an effect. It's not God up there pulling strings. That would be really easy to blame an outside source. And that's the other huge part in our theology that's very different. And that is, there is no God out there pulling strings. There is only a God in here working through our decision-making, working through our thoughts, working through our feelings. That's what's going on on the planet. So we need to stop blaming God and we need to take responsibility for our thoughts, our actions, our desires, our wills, our feelings, all of those components because we live in this amazing creative universe. And that's why Ernest Holmes called it the thing itself. He didn't want any of that attachment. He wanted us to get this concept in our head that there is this power in the universe and that we can use it. I love this painting from the 16th chapel in uh, Rome. What I want you to pay attention to is the fingers. So I want you to notice man's finger. Do it with me. Yeah, it's a little wimp. <laughs> it's got a gay wrist to it. Yeah, and look at God's finger. And so what I want to tell you is you are in charge. The power has been transformed. So don't do this. Pick up your finger and own it. The thing itself has given it over. The God essence has given us that power. So we're going to play in these chapters this morning. So what if God is not anything like we think it is? What if God is actually found by the way you and I picture God to be? How complicated we have made this whole thing called God over the years when it's something very simple. If we really believed what the true concept was and that God is within us, imagine what a different world we would be in, breaking Twinkies with each other, sharing and connecting in the one place where the universe really resides. So we're going to go through the main parts of the first chapter of the science of mind. And the, first, and the reason it's called science of mind, by the way, is our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, once believed that science and theology would be speaking the same language. It's so funny now how we dismiss science, um, and yet science and theology are intimately connected, and that there is a science to how you can create and control your life and that's why the science of the mind began to get created. So that's what's called. Now, we, we are now called Centers for Spiritual Living because people kept confusing us with Scientology. 
And so in our rebranding, we're called Centers for Spiritual Living, so it doesn't become an obstacle. But our actual tradition and our actual denomination is called Science of Mind and Spirit. That's really what it is, or religious science is another way to say it. So the first part of the chapter talks about that we're created in a divine image. So we're going to spend some time looking, if we're created in this divine image, what does that look like and how does it show up? The second part of the first chapter is that the universe never plays favorites that there is an equality to this concept of God that works for everybody, that there is a set of spiritual principles that don't favor one person over the other. Third, that we have limitless power at our disposal, that because God is infinite and because it is unlimited, we too can tap into the unlimited possibilities of the universe. The fourth part is that all thought is creative. Not some thoughts, all thoughts. I hate that. I just want the nice ones. You know, I just want thinking, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a religious science minister, so I'm just thinking nice thoughts all the time. Well, I'm telling you, I'm not thinking nice thoughts all the time. And sometimes I have these other thoughts. And, and I'm going to show you how those work and how they work in conjunction with each other. And last but not least, divine nature is in everyone not just in some people, in all people. Now, I want you to think about this logically. Jesus came about 2,000 years ago. That's where he came, 2,000 years ago. So we are a lot older than 2,000 years, by the way. We're billions of years old. So, you know, when I think about this whole concept that only some people get saved and only some people are going to heaven, it makes no sense. What happened to all the people who came before the 2,000 years? Did God just all of a sudden say, you know what, I don't like your outfit, out you go. No, it's not. Think about it. Think about it, folks. We live in an ancient universe. And so there is found, the spiritual power is found in absolutely everyone. So the chapter begins. To suppose that the creative intelligence of the universe would create man in bondage and leave him bound, would suppose that God could make man as an individual without leaving him to discover himself, would be to suppose an impossibility. It is impossible to not think about the concepts of what you and I are and how we are created. So let's go to the book of Genesis, because lots of people use that to abuse people. Um, and, and we have a whole story about Adam and Eve that we've made up crap about. <clears throat> but if you come to my metaphysical Bible class, which I teach once a year, you would discover that's the furthest thing from what that chapter actually means. But in the book of creation, it is a why story. It's not a how story. The author is not concerned about how it happened. The author is really concerned that you and I get why creation happened. So it starts that God created man and woman in his image and likeness. And one of the stories, and there's two creation stories, so when I'm involved with the fundamentalists, I always love to say, you do know there are two creations, because they always quote just one, they totally ignore the other. In fact, in the chapter, the very first two chapters, there are two different creation stories. So was God fickle and couldn't make up its mind? Is that what's going on here? No, the author was giving us two theological concepts to think about creation and how creation really begins to happen. And so in the first one, God creates all kinds of things. And I love the pattern. God has a thought. God speaks the thought and it gets created. And every time something gets created, the author says, and it's good. Doesn't say it's awful 
doesn't say it's particular. It doesn't say anything. No, it says it's good. So God has a thought about water. God spoke the word about water and water gets created. That pattern becomes very important for us to understand because when you and I have a thought, when we speak that thought, it gets manifested because we're the micro of the macro. And so in the creation story, the very last thing that gets created, God scoops up the soil of the earth, forms man and woman in his image and likeness, pokes two holes in their nostrils, and breathes into them ruah. Ruah literally means God's breath. And it means we become these living beings. So I do this every year, so do it with me. Take a deep breath. Now hold on to that breath. And hold it. And hold it. And hold it. All right, now let it go. What happens if you keep holding on to that breath? You're going to keel over and die. That is correct. Because the breath of God that has been placed in you and I is meant to be given back. We are these living breathings that are in this divine being, breathing back forth, energy back and forth. And so to somehow think that we are, don't have a choice in all this is absolutely ridiculous. And that's what Dr. Ernest Holmes is talking about when he say to somehow think that God creates something, damns it, and leaves it into something is ridiculous. We are not damned. We are created in the image and likeness of God, which is good. And by the way, after God created man and woman, he didn't say good. He said very good, par excellence. If you really translate the literal translation, it means excellent, past anything else I've ever done. So I want you to look at each other. Go ahead, it's not scary. (laughs) If you want to know where God is, just look. God is absolutely everywhere, and particularly in a very good way in each other. Although you appear in earthly form, your essence is pure consciousness. You are the fearless guardian of the divine light put out by Rumi. That's what you and I are, that we're made in this divine image and that we are to show up in that divine image. Now, here's the real key in all that. The key is it can't be contained in one personality. That's why we have multiple personalities because the universe, infinite universe, cannot be contained in one person, one culture, one race. It needs a great expansion for that to really get expressed itself. So he continues on. He said, the seed of freedom is planted in the innermost being of man. But like the prodigal son, man must make the great discovery for himself. You are not being led, dragged, or forced. You and I have the power of freedom to choose our thoughts. And not only to choose them, but to manifest them. We have been given the freedom to choose, create, and do the dynamic that we want to do in life. Now, that's exciting when life works. But when life doesn't work, it's not so exciting. Because then we have to step back, put the car back in reverse and say, Okay, if all thought is creative, then why am I having this experience? Because there's something underneath that experience that we need to learn. And oftentimes, a thought did create it. Everything is created through thought. The divine plan is one of freedom. Bondage is not God-ordained. Say that with me. Bondage is not God. So when you hear someone talking about God as fearful, 
sinful, that you are sinful, that you are no good, that is not God-ordained. What is God-ordained is freedom and love. That's what we were created in. We weren't created in fear and hell and damnation. Those are man's concepts and human beings' concepts that we oftentimes have created. Freedom is the birthright of every living soul. All instinctively feel it. All of us want to be free. When we're put in bondage, we feel horrible. When we're saying yes in freedom, we feel magnificent. So pay attention to the feelings in it. Freedom means you are unobstructed in living your life as you choose. Anything less is a form of slavery, including your thoughts, which is the greatest and most powerful prison that we create is when we get stuck in our thoughts, we get stuck in our head, or we get stuck in our beliefs that somehow we were created or we came from some dysfunctional family that told us we were not good enough. And so we spend our entire life believing that small story that happened within a 10-year period, and we're 60, 70, and 80 years old still believing it. And nothing could be further from the truth. Because when we were created, we were created very good par excellence. I am not a product of my circumstances. I'm actually a product of my decisions. Every one of them. And the power that you and I possess to do that is incredible. Second part of the first chapter, the universe does not play favorites. I want you to think about how we talk about the Broncos. We talk about the Broncos sunsets that somehow the orange and blue is just limited to Colorado. (laughs) And the New England Patriots thought they were the chosen, and guess what? (laughs) Love my cousin Jane, New England Patriots. Andrea, that's for you in the back as well, Sister Mary New England. (laughs) God does not play favorites. Human beings play favorites. God does not, God creates all things equal. That means there is a God essence in every single thing that you see. We are so used to the thought that if we have mixed certain colors, we get certain other colors, that we do not realize we are dealing with a principle. We know that whoever blends these particular colors will get the same results. There are universal laws that work automatically. It doesn't matter who you are. They just work. And so one of the important things that we need to pay attention to is to learn the principles and use them. Use them with power, use them with thought, use them with consciousness. And realize that there is not a they and them out there. There is one thing called us, the divine us of the universe. It is that which we are looking at. I love this one. It says, I hope you don't mind my saying that I can see the spirit of Jesus in you. And the Buddha says, if you don't mind seeing that I see the Buddha in you. All world religions who are centered in love are connected together as one. And if you study world religions, you'll see there are some very common threads which you'll learn about in the next three weeks that there is this commonness that begins to permeate in all the different world religions when they are centered in love and when we can see it in each other. Many ways expressing the one God. During our Christmas Eve service, we do the powerful section on the oneness of God and we get to see all the different paths 
winding their way to one God, expressing it in many different ways. And if we can be open enough, we can delight in those things instead of saying they're right or wrong. What's important is where you are in your spiritual journey. What works for you when you're younger may not work for you when you are older, which is majority of this church, by the way, majority of this center. People coming from different faith traditions who all of a sudden begin to realize, oh my God, it's not about salvation. Oh my God, it's not about limiting. Oh my God, it's not about fear. Oh my God, it's not about sin. It's not about any of those things. That's not why we're put on the planet to suffer. We were put on the planet to express, to create, to be successful. That's what we were put on the planet to do. Intense love does not measure, it just gives. It doesn't divide against itself. Universal principles, he continues on in the chapter, are never respecters of persons. The universe has no favorites. Therefore it is written, and let all who thirst come, And whatsoever, let them take of the water freely. We have to be so careful of this in our daily lives. We're constantly trying to make someone or something wrong. Instead of understanding that God doesn't play favorites, God doesn't win football games for us. God doesn't win wars for us. There is only love. There is only one power in the universe distributed equally to every single person on the planet. There is no favor, so don't think you're chosen. We used to call the Catholics the froze, the fro, what was it called? The chosen frozen. Yeah. <laughs> never wanting to change, never wanting to be open to all the possibilities. Our founder, Dr. Nurse Holmes, in the principles and in our textbook, writes a whole little lecture to the leaders of the church that says, always remain open at the top. Now, the top is your head, so tap your head, folks. Go ahead, tap your head. You need to remain open up here. Yeah. Means you need to open yourself to all the possibilities in the universe. We are all angels with one wing. We can only fly while embracing each other. Otherwise, you sink. When we understand that we are connected together as one and that God does not play favorites, the universe works on our behalf. It's time to remember who you are. He continues on in that first chapter that limitless power is at our disposal for anybody, for anybody. It's not, it's not going to be favorable one to the other. Within us then, there is a creative field which we call the subjective mind. Around us, there is a creative field which we call subjective. One is universal and the other is individual, but in reality, they are one. So I like to keep things simple in my life. Anybody know what this is? Lots of you have eaten it when you were younger. It's Play-Doh. Play-Doh. I want you to think of the universe as nothing but Play-Doh. That's all it is. There is a subjective one universal, and I want you to think of it as Play-Doh. God is nothing but Play-Doh. And what begins to happen is that you and I, in our thoughts, begin to direct the universe on what to create, on how to hold things, on what to create, on what to make. And God does nothing but say, and so it is. That's why we say that on Sunday, by the way. And so it is. Say it with me. Yeah. So when you get cranky and you're nasty with somebody and you get an effect from that, God is simply saying, yeah, 
And when you win the lotto and you have a consciousness of prosperity, a God is simply saying, yeah, God is nothing but this. It just is a formless substance, the subjective part of God that does nothing but take the impression of our thoughts and create it. That's all it does. And it's constantly changing. Think about how many thoughts you had in the shower this morning. Please do not share them with me. I'm not interested in them, but, <laughs> but think about that. So, and the, and the thoughts are busy being created all the time. And another word for thought is belief. So your belief in something creates your reality. So when you see someone as separate or you see them or you label them, you are creating that reality. Whether that reality is true of that person or not, we are busy creating it. We create it with every single thing we do. So we're going to come back to the Plato in a little bit. When you change the way you look at things, what happened? What a concept. When you begin to cross across the street and you begin to engage with people who you thought were enemies, and you begin to see that, oh my God, there was a heart there, there's a brain there, and there's a loving person there. When you're able to do that, the way in which you see the person changes. It's the same way with situations. When you are unable to fix something, it is the universe telling you to look at it differently, to create it differently in the concept of God. So he goes on about limitless powers at our disposal. Man, by his thinking, can bring into experience whatever he desires. He becomes a living embodiment of his thoughts. This is not done by holding thoughts, but by knowing the truth. It's by feeling it. Belief is found in your heart. It's about feelings. You know, we have a concept, change your thinking, those of us who have been around this a long time. But later on, in the later years, Dr. Ernest Holmes talked about that it just wasn't about thoughts, that it also was about feelings, that how you feel about things creates and affects the thoughts. And so we're going to look at that a little bit deeper. If you want to change what's going on around you, change what's going on within you, because that's what's dictating it. That's what's telling the universe to form it. So how you think and how you feel is telling the universe the kind of experience that you want to have. If we are unconscious about that, we just go around thinking life is happening to us. And what's important for us to understand is life is not happening to us. We're creating it. We live in this creative universe and we have this unlimited power in God that absolutely says, and so it is, according to our thoughts and our beliefs. He continues on. It follows that we cannot say that one thought is creative while the other is not. We must say that all thought is creative according to the nature, impulse, emotion, or conviction behind the thought. All thought is creative. The more intense your belief and feeling about something, the quicker the manifestation. The more intensely you feel about something, the more it gets created. The more angry you get at your spouse, the more you get anger back. The more you get creative, the more loving you are, the more whatever it is, put it in the blank, we want to fill in the blank, whatever that is, the more intensely you feel it or think it or sense it, the quicker the manifestation. The problem is we have the attention span of a gnat. How many of you know this is true? Yes. 
Yeah, you're just on to the next thing all the time. And so one of the things I've learned is discipline in thought. And that is you've got to be disciplined in the way you think. So one minute you want the, you know, at one minute you're thinking that, my God, I would just love to win that lotto. If I could win that lotto, I could pay everything up. Next minute you're thinking, oh my God, I can't pay my bills. And so the universe doesn't know which one you really want. Do you want this or do you want this? More intense, whatever you intensely feel wins. That's how it does it. Whatever you intensely feel begins to win. So when you have deep-rooted belief systems from your past that you unconsciously are constantly working through and you're not conscious of them, they will keep manifesting themselves. That's why you keep marrying the same mistake. Must be there's a lot of them out there. No. The mistake is found in the energy and the belief system underneath it. When you shift that, then things really begin to shift. He said, thought creates a mold in the subjective, which is this, God is nothing but Plato, in which the idea is accepted and poured and set a power in motion accordance with thought. Ignorance of this excuses no one from its effects, for we are dealing with a law and not a whimsical fancy. It's not God all of a sudden answering your prayer. It's all of a sudden you decided to shift. And when you decided to shift, the universe has no choice but to shift with you. And it's S-H-I-F-T, shift. There's a lot of shift in the world. It's happening all the time. Because you and I are busy dictating to the universe that which we want, that which is which we are. Now, it's so funny that the faster and the more pressure you put on the accelerator, what happens to your car? And if you move your foot over and you push it on the brake, what happens? I want you to think about your thoughts and feelings the exact same way. Whatever you spend your attention on either accelerates it, which it normally does when you're intense about it, or it brings it to a stop. Because that's how we're doing it in the universe. We're playing with these universal laws. What I want you to understand and what I have been working on for so many years in my own life is use the principle to your advantage. Stop fighting against the principle. Stop blaming the principle. Use it. If this is a universal law that doesn't play favorites and will work with anybody, you can work it. You can use it. You and I can do it in the process. Read this with Mayor. Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. We don't pray... We'll get into prayer. Um, we, do, we have a thing called affirmative prayer. And those of you who have not taken our classes, you're missing out. Affirmative prayer. And what affirmative prayer is, we don't pray to beg, borrow, or steal. We pray to change our consciousness so that the universe can match it. That's what prayer is, is telling the universe what to do. And so how you vibrate and where you vibrate in the process makes all the difference in the world. There is that within every individual which partakes in the nature of the universal whole. And insofar as it operates, it is God. Every single person is the micro of the macro. Say, I am the micro of the macro. That's right. You play in a universal world that has unlimited possibilities. And we are simply a micro of that. 
we're a smaller version. So in the book of creation, when God has a thought, God speaks the thought, it gets manifested. It's in you and me that way. That is the pattern of life. When we have a thought, a belief, we speak the belief, it gets manifested, whether we like it or not. So why not control the thought? Why not control the way we speak? Why not choose the emotion that we want? Why not play into the bigger universal world we call God? Because we are the micro, the macro. I love this question. Is God black, brown, yellow, or red? The answer is, it's all of it. It's all of it getting expressed. You have an inner light, a special glow that no one else has. Let your light shine because you were born to shine. I am the Normanness of God, if you're wondering. <laughs> I am. No one can express the divine Normanness like I can because of my unique makeup and who I am. Frank <laughs> is the frankness of God. <laughs> Susie is the Susiness of God. No one can sing like Denise Rosier can because Denise Rosier is the Denise Rosier of God. She was put here on the planet to do that. To do that. So all of us have that. All of us have this unique expression of the one God. And the key is to remember that. Stop. The biggest sin on the planet is comparison. Comparing ourselves to others, thinking, thinking one has more than the other. No. God distributed everything equally, but also God works through the channel of us. We are those inner lights. We're the one that's holding on to it. We're the one that we're put here on the planet to express it. Divine nature is in every single person. It's not in some people and not in the others. That is the meaning of the word Emmanuel, which we just celebrated, which means God within us. The meaning of the word Christ Christ was not used until several hundred years later after the Jesus experience. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a title. And title means redeemed one. It means high consciousness. So when we talk about Christ consciousness, what we begin to really express is that there is that part within us that absolutely perfect, whole, and complete, that has never been damaged, that is powerful beyond measure. We could put Christ after our name, because we are part of the universal oneness of the God. So there is that within us which partakes of the divine being, and we are all divine. We've all been given the power. No one is special. We're all equal, and we're all called to express that dynamic. You are a creature of divine love connected at all times to the source. We just forget. Divine source is when you see God in everyone and everything that you encounter, Wayne Dyer. So, when we forget, we get an effect. When we forget who we are, we get to experience the lesser than. But at a moment's thought and at a change of thought, we can have the exact opposite experience as well. So we just made it through the first chapter. We're going to spend the whole month looking at the four first chapters. I remind you today, the God and power of the universe is infinity. And we get to play in it. 
the God of all of life is available to us because we are created in a divine image. There is nothing that was created that God looks at and says, oh, I could have done better. There isn't. It's perfection. Perfection. That's hard to really think about sometimes. You know, I, I got to work with, uh, when I was in seminary, one of my, you get a yearly assignment to work pastoral, pastorally. And I remember working with a special needs little boy. And I thought to myself, you know, when I, when I first there, I thought, you know, I'm going to really help this little boy. Little did I realize that little boy was going to help me because he wasn't hung up in all kinds of, you know what he was hung up about? The little boy just loved to hug. That's all he wanted to do. Wasn't interested in learning much, but he was very interested in hugging you all the time. And I thought to myself, you know, Norm, you think you're so sophisticated. That divine perfection, that that little boy who was created in divine image taught me the most important thing in life. All he wanted to do was love. I was so complicated. So don't think someone is lesser than you are. Don't confuse difference with perfection. They're just different. We could use a lot more of that understanding today's world just because something or someone is different. We are created in a divine image. Remember, the universe doesn't play favorites. To religious science or Catholics or Muslims or Jews, God just sits back and laughs, think all those systems you've created just so you can get to the path of love. Really? Is it getting you there? Measure them by their love. Measure them by their acceptance. Measure them by the way we love each other. Limitless power is at our disposal. Dip into it. Stop blaming the world. Stop blaming political powers or parties. We, the people, we hold the power. We always have. There is no they and them. There is only us. Pay attention to your thinking this week because all thought is creative. All of it. And that's what we're going to learn in success principles starting this week. You want to be successful? Pay attention to your thoughts. Harness them. Use behavior that will help you do that. Use discipline in your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. And last but not least, don't be fooled. The divine nature is in everything and everyone. If we'll just open our eyes and connect there, that's the key. You and I are powerful beyond measure. Use it wisely. Pray with me. There is one power in the universe that lives, moves, breathes, has its being in all of creation. It's in the loud whisper of the wind. It's in one snowflake that falls to the ground silently. It's found in the beauty of looking in another's eyes. It is the tenderness of a touch. It is the roar of the water. For that God essence is in every single thing and every single person. 
what I know is that I am one with this divine presence. I know I live, move, and have my being in this power. I know that every single person in this space is one. I know that every single person in this space was created in the divine image, the one power, the one source that is breathing in and through in all of creation. And so standing in that power today, I know and claim for us that we are powerful beyond measure. I know and claim for us this day that we release all fear, all difference, all lack, all that which causes us not to stand in that divine power. Whatever it is that is causing limitation this day, we release that thought. Whatever we think is unforgivable, the universe breathes in forgiveness. I know and claim that we stand in this divine universe and that we are powerful beyond measure and we claim our power this day. I am in such gratitude that the universe has breathed into each and every person the power to transform the world. And so I claim and say yes to that power this day in each and every one of us. We let go of anything that denies us of it. We let go of us and them. We remember that the universe does not play favorites, that we are part of a universal one and we say yes to it. And so it is with a grateful heart I say thank you, Spirit, for these principles. Thank you for the power to change thoughts. Thank you for the power to change belief. Thank you for the power of manifestation. I simply release this prayer this day unto the universal Plato of God, knowing that the universe pays attention to the detail of my thoughts and my feelings. And so I simply place it into the universe knowing it is already done according to my thoughts and beliefs. And so we play with that law and allow it to be. And so with one voice we sing and we affirm together. I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has his being. I am the place where God shows
So, uh, all right, amen to that, yeah. You get so used to me, you never applaud anymore, just saying. All right. Last week, thank you. <laughs> All right. Last week, we had no heat, if you remember. Yeah. So we were thinking someone played with the thermostat. Well, no, the pump went out on our boiler to the tune of $5,000. So I'm asking you to put in extra this week so that we can pay the $5,000 bill. So I invite you to take your tithe and your gift in your hand. I'm inviting those who are watching us online. The reason you can watch us online is due to generosity of people who are in this space. So I invite you to join in that circulation of prosperity online as well. So I invite you to place your tithe over your heart and let us pray our affirmation together. I joyfully celebrate the flow of God through me. I am grateful for receiving and giving to my spiritual community. I give thanks, always knowing God is my source. And so it is.